Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 23 of the Canadian Dojo podcast. Today, we are talking about McDojos, what they are, frankly, what they aren't, and at the end of the day, does it really matter? So we're going to be discussing that with my good friend, Mr. Anthony Vantrus, and some of you guys are going to agree with us, some of you guys are going to disagree with us, so I can't wait to read some of the emails, right? But nonetheless, stay tuned and give a listen. Hey everyone, and welcome to my podcast. My name is Dave Nixon, and I'm a lifelong student of karate and the martial arts, but I'm also an instructor and a dojo owner. Whether you're just starting out in the martial arts, getting ready for your black belt, or you have your own dojo or your own club, we've got you covered. Welcome to Canadian Dojo. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Canadian Dojo Podcast. So today I am uh, with my good friend, uh, Mr. Anthony Vantrust, and uh, some of you guys remember uh, I did a podcast uh, a little while ago uh, with his brother, Joe, and uh, uh, like his brother, uh, Anthony has uh, got his black belt uh, in, in a couple of different disciplines, not just karate as well. But uh, so uh, so he's uh, he's certainly been around uh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how we know each other and from where we know each other. But um, uh, our, our, our topic of conversation today is a bit of a controversial one. So and it's one that I've wanted to do for a while, but um, I've kind of avoided it for 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 a couple of reasons. But, uh, you know, Anthony comes uh, comes to us with some experience here. And uh, I, uh, I asked him to come in and, and sort of talk about it. So today we are going to talk about uh, McDojos, all right? And if you're unfamiliar with the term McDojo, uh, we're going to explain that in, in greater detail as, as we go through. But anyway, you know what, Anthony, thank you very much for, uh, for being on the, on the podcast and welcome. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure to be here. Ah, you know what? It's great to have you, man. Um, so we've known each other for a long time, right? Well, well 20 some odd years at least. Close to that now, yeah. Got to be uh, well. It's got. It's got to be more than that, right? So because because late nineties. Yeah, I started in ninety nine. Okay. Back in Stony Creek. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, twenty. 22, 23, yeah, got standing, outstanding. And you ended up getting your, your your black belt at the same club your brother got his black belt at, which coincidentally was the same club that I got my black belt at. Yes. You know? Yeah, I was uh, a few years behind Joe. Yeah, a few, yeah. So, so um, when did you get, when did you get your black belt? Uh, January 2004. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So, it, 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 oh, wow, as, you know, as, as I'm actually sitting in here and thinking about it, um, I tested for my black belt It'll be 25 years ago this month. Yeah. Oh, my God, I'm old. <laughs> so, well, congratulations. Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah, 25. It'll be 25 years ago th- this month uh, that I, I, I tested. And uh, I'm actually going to go and find the exact date. Uh, mm-hmm. Wow, that's that's very interesting. But um, anyway, so, so yeah, so you, so you tested for your black belt. Uh, and, then, and then what happened after that? Um, when I had gone through... Uh, my testing, I was in second year university. Mm. And then by the time third and fourth year rolled around, it was a lot to handle um, the training plus uh, the higher level university courses. So I stepped back from actually several things that I was doing at the time to focus on university. And then I got into the old routine of, you know, starting your career after university. And then I went and I did my MBA. 
And it wasn't until about 10 years after I had stopped training that I moved to a new town and I was looking for something to do. And that's when I uh, seriously picked it up again. I had kind of done some stuff on and off, but um, I seriously picked it up again when I moved out there and uh, trained there for a while. And it was there that I got into Brazilian jiu-jitsu as well. Mm. So um, I trained there for a while. I got my second degree. I got my um, blue belt in jiu-jitsu and then I got a new job. So I switched to a different club that's focused only on jiu-jitsu and um, I I received my purple belt a few months ago Excellent. and I've been teaching my jiu-jitsu instructor karate <laughs> as a way to keep up with it and we've been working on an exciting new program of kind of mixing katas with Brazilian jiu-jitsu so that's a fun project I'm working on well, now with him. Yeah you and I spoke about this a little while ago actually but um, you know in, in the traditional katas there's a lot of jiu-jitsu. Absolutely. You know stand-up jiu-jitsu mostly from your Japanese but you know what there's a lot of there's a lot of hidden jiu-jitsu in, in those katas so mm-hmm. you know you know putting those two knowledge bases together I think is a great idea I think it, I think it'd be I think it'd be a very interesting thing to, uh, you know to explore for sure right? Yes uh, we, we've we're at about three katas, and I'm planning on building up about 10 or more katas yeah. as I work my in- instructor up to black belt. Uh, so are you doing, are, are, is it, are, you know, which katas are you using? Are you using like the Shotokan katas? Or? Shotokan, yes. Shotokan, yeah, yeah, excellent, yeah. excellent. You know, well, good for you, man. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I think that sounds like a, I think that sounds like a fun project, something very interesting, right? It certainly is. Um, so, okay, so... Well, you know, listen, your your tale is a tale as old as time. We, you know, we, I've talked about this before on the podcast. Uh, you know, people who, um, uh, you know, train uh, and then they, they, they take, a, they take a, a break, you know, what life gets in the way, life, uh, and then they, but they, they inevitably end up coming back to it. I think the difference for you, though, is that you actually got your black belt. Most people who find themselves in that sort of life getting in the way uh, stop before they actually test for their black belt. And then they come back into it, and then they, you know, as a Q belt, and then they work towards getting their black belt. But at least, at least you did it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> so, and for anybody who hasn't done it that way, it's just not the wrong way that you are doing. I just want you to know that, right? So it just is what it is. But uh, but yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about McDojos, all right? Um, because I, I I've certainly had experiences. Uh, at at, a, at 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 these things at these clubs that we would call a McDojo, but I, I want you right. I'm going to put you out the spot here for a second. I want you to define for me what you think a McDojo is. Well, since you've asked me, I've put a lot of thought into this, and I've come up with two defining characteristics of a dojo in general. Okay. So for um, for one of them, it's the uh, the ability to get a promotion. Okay. So at one spectrum, one end of the spectrum, you have a, where someone, if they get a grading stripe on their belt, they get the belt regardless. So they could show up to the grading or not. They could completely forget everything, and they'll still get the belt. Yeah. At the other end, you have things where it's like you have to go to a tournament and win a tournament in order to get your next belt, which I would say is like the other extreme of difficulty. Yeah. And then 
in the middle of that, you have your regular gradings where, like your gradings, where they're uh, very um, intense. They touch on all the knowledge you've learned and um, are very thorough. And then on the other spectrum is the applicability of the curriculum. So if it's something like um, a kickboxing studio, that's at the high end, where everything you do is applicable to fighting. And then at the low end, it would be like a no-touch place, where it's like this mystic uh, yeah, let, let, yeah, exactly. The the the, the no touch knockout and the you know the, the the chi, you know, which listen, you know what, getting in touch with your spiritual side is fine, but but you know you see those videos on YouTube where, you know, where the guy raises his hand like Yoda and and you know the guy just like faints and it's just yeah. like uh, that stuff irks me. Like it just it irks me. I really like watching the videos where those guys go up against an MMA fighter. An MMA fighter, I know. And they get their they get their asses kicked. Yeah. And they come up with something like, oh, his tongue was in the wrong position or his toe wasn't on the ground properly. It, exactly. It's always something. Yeah. So I think the McDojo band would be somewhere in that like easy to get a belt and low applicability of technique where uh, even if it's not no touch, it's like, say you learn a kata, but you don't learn how to apply the kata. You don't learn any bunkai. Yeah. I, I feel like yeah, it's on my that list. is yeah. your yeah. band of where the McDojos lie. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it's the, it's the how, but not the why. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think, you know, this is how you do something more or less, right. You know, um, and even, even there you see variations between, between clubs, but, but that aside for a second, but you know you're taught you're taught the how, but but there's no there's no application onto the why. So so this is how you do, but why do I do it that way? And I think that's from a knowledge base standpoint where some of these some of these clubs fall short. You know uh, I think that these instructors, and again I, I, one of the reasons that I've actually tried I've stayed away from this topic, is because I don't want to sound cocky, I don't want to sound arrogant, I don't want to sound you know I don't want to uh, there's no hubris here uh, as an instructor. I think I'm pretty good, but you know what? I I know that there, I know I know I know I don't know stuff. Um, if one of my students asks me a question that I do not know the answer to, I don't BS that answer. I don't I don't make something up. If I don't know the answer, I don't know the answer. But I will tomorrow, right? But that's exactly it. Like I've witnessed situations where I've asked an instructor, you know, what are we actually doing here in this this kata? And they stand there, like, just staring at into space, like trying to figure out what that move is. They yeah. don't. They're not willing to admit that they don't know, and they're trying to come up with something on the spot. So you know, it's not going to be quality. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I've, I've, I've seen that. I've seen that actually <laughs> happen. Uh, you know, more times than I, 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 I care to sort of mention. Um, you know, or, or the. The, the the thing that the thing that <laughs> the thing that always sort of ticked me off with that was you know when I asked the question what what is what's what's the application here what's the application of this movement and I'm not kidding I am not kidding the answer I got back was what do you think the application of the movement is and it's just like <sighs> I'm I, I can theorize, but I'm 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 asking you're the instructor. You're showing it to me. In a sense, you're paying for that. I'm paying for your knowledge. Yeah. Right. Um, so, I, 
You know, you could, I don't, I, I love it. I love it. You know what, when, when an instructor turns and says, okay, you know what, when I ask, when I ask, what are we doing here? What's the application of this movement? And they'll say, well, this is actually pretty cool because you can, it can be this, or it can be this, or it can be this, depending on, you know, the situation, which we, you and I had a conversation about with uh, Hey and Needan actually uh, mm -hmm. just a couple of weeks ago. So the opening movements of Hey and Needan. I love the opening movements of Hey and Needan because the application, there, there, there are a few different practical applications for the opening moves of Hey and Needan, uh, which I try to communicate to my guys. So I, I always sort of, I always, I always like that. Uh, but you know what? Oh, yeah, that, I'll never forget that. You know what? What do you think it means? Like, oh my God! You know what? <laughs> I'm leaving. So, but yeah. I, so, so that that's the thing. But like I say, I've always, I've always sort of, you know, because I, I'm, a, I'm a believer that if you're a dojo and you you like it there, and you like the people, and you like the instructor, and you're getting some benefit, whatever that benefit might be, um, then good for you. Stay good. You know what? Uh, you know, you be you, baby. That's fine. Where I, where the problem that I have with with McDojo's is that um, they 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 sell themselves to be something they're not. Um, and I've seen far too many people, you know, get their get their black belts, um, you know, and 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 the, with no ability to defend themselves. You know, they've been sold a false, false, you know, this, it's, it's a false bill of goods here, bill of sale here. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't work. What they've been sold doesn't, doesn't work. And I talked about this in the podcast with, with Lisa. One of my criteria for testing somebody to black belt is that, listen, you know what? I need to be confident that when you're done this, when you're on the other side of this, that, you know, if heaven forbid something happens, you will be able to apply something that you've learned here and defend yourself. Even if that's just running away, you know, you'll be able to do something like you'll be able to defend yourself or you'll have the confidence to, to avoid a confrontation in the first place. That's sort of, you know, my criteria. But I see a lot of these sort of McDojos where that's, that's just not, that's not the case. The stuff that's being taught isn't practical. The stuff that's being, the way it's being taught isn't practical. Um, and that, I think, um, I think it's, you know, going back to those sort of those videos that you were talking about and the, the going, going up against the MMA guys, um, yeah, there's just a, a there's a, a lack of practical application, and and that bothers me. I, I think what you also see with a McDojo is that um, a dojo is a place to learn martial arts. So you teach the martial arts here at a McDojo. I think to some degree they are um, selling the experience of going through a karate process of getting belts and eventually getting to a belt, uh, a black belt, but they aren't necessarily teaching the martial arts. They're selling the experience of the martial arts. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting, that's an interesting observation. That's an interesting point. And you, and you might actually well be right about that. Uh, you know, I, I remember, I remember being in the first, the first time I had ever heard the term McDojo, Actually, I was in Las Vegas at uh, a martial arts trade show, uh, the, the Martial Arts Industry Association trade show. And there was a guy there, and I'm going to use his name, Mike Chat. And Mike Chat started this or program called Extreme Martial Arts. Um, XMA is what it, what, it, what it was, XMA, right? Extreme Martial Arts. And it was one of these things where... Uh, you know, 
the flashy satin uniforms and, you know, the backflips and the, you know, the, the bow side. And we're gonna, I'm going to talk more about this, you know, and, and you know, because I got, I got a great list of stuff I want to go through mm-hmm. with you because I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, and, 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 and that, and I'm, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at them doing a demonstration and I'm standing beside this guy and I have no idea who this guy is. He's a dojo owner from someplace in North America. I don't know who he is, right? Never met him before. He'd never met me before. And he just leaned over, you know, and I'm standing beside him with, with this quizzical look on my face like this, this can't be the future of karate. This can't be the future of the martial arts because they're up there doing gymnastics, right? And he just leans over to me and he says, you know what? This is nothing but a gigantic McDojo money grab and it'll be the death of all of us if this thing takes off. And I, I giggled because I'd never heard the term McDojo before. That was the very first time I ever heard it, but I remember him saying that. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, you know what? You're not selling, you're selling that, you're selling something martial arts light. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the future of the martial arts. I hope it isn't. But it, it, it was, it was, yeah, this is, this is where they go in. It's like, okay, you know, it's like a, it's like a dance competition where, you know what? Uh, okay, well, in this year's competition, we're going to be, you know what? Everybody's got to dress up like, you know what? Uh, uh, like we're in Bavaria, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, well, you know. It, it's a very uh, flashy, dynamic um, display. And in a way, it's a lot like Star Wars where you see them with the lightsabers. It's a very well choreographed That's exactly dance. it. Yeah. And no it, practical it, it, application in exactly. the real world. None. Zero. And, and, and again, you know, like even, even, you know, some of the sport karate stuff, right? I look at the sport karate stuff and, and I talked about this in a pre- previous podcast. I think the last podcast I did, but, um, you know, the Gichin Funakoshi was dead set against tournaments because, you know, he, he believed that it frankly had watered down the martial arts, you know, and, and, and the practical application of the martial arts, whether it's a self-defense or, you know, that, 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 that character building side of things, but you know, it watered it down. Um, but yeah, you know what? I, I see that, you know, you're not going to get, if you're out on the street and you point spar somebody to, you know what? It's like, I'm going to do a back fist reverse punch blitz on you. All right. I'm going to kick you in the groin and you know what? And smash your head into the concrete. Yeah. Do that to someone twice your size. It's going to Ex- be completely ineffective. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. And I think that's part of the, part of the problem. You know, you get to, you get to these tournament clubs where all they focus on is, is going to the next tournament, the next tournament, the next tournament. And listen, I'm all for competing. Actually, I, I, I am. I think going out and doing a competition every now and again is a, is a good thing. It helps, helps you learn to deal with the nerves and it gives you a goal to focus on and things like that. You know, I don't think you should ever adjust your kata to go out and and, and do a tournament. Um, I, I don't like that approach to things. I know, I know instructors at every tournament, they would, they would do a different version of the same kata. And I, that irked me. Um, a lot it, of, it's lot funny of you bring me. up, uh, tournaments because as I was thinking through this, um, the difference between, uh, some of the places I have trained at, one was, fairly competitive, um, the place we both got our belts at. Yeah. And there were a lot of people who were going to international tournaments, local and international tournaments. I've been there, done that, man. Yeah. And another place I've trained at had absolutely no competitiveness whatsoever. And I think what that competitiveness brought was a different critical eye to analyzing how you're doing your katas and how you're training for fighting because with uh like with the katas you have to 
when you're in tournament, you're doing it very precisely. You have a very technical focus. But if you don't have that, um, that eye as an instructor, you can't pass that knowledge on to your students yeah. so that they know what they have to correct. Like you, if the instructor doesn't have the eye to identify what needs to be fixed, the student will never learn that. So yeah. I, I think like tournaments, they, they do have a, a good place in a, uh, a non-competitive martial arts dojo because it still gives a, a criticalness that may otherwise be lacking. And I think yeah. with that, you'll also see an overall lack of standards in the training overall. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I, hear, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I understand what you're saying. Um, I think, though, sometimes, sometimes that with tournaments is that you see um, a completely over-sanitized version of a kata as well. Mm-hmm. That it's 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 done to a point of, you know, um, you know, would be pure perfection. That it's actually lost some of the applicability the bunkai and everything. exactly yes exactly so i think that i think i think there's a balance to be had in there somewhere mm-hmm. like when i was judging tournaments i always used to love when somebody would come in and their kata was it, it was it was uh i'm gonna i'm gonna use the term a little just a little just a little bit dirty right like it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't hyper vigilant it wasn't super sanitized it, you know it's like it's like you know what um uh, they're they're dressed in a tuxedo but they decided to have a lie down you know what and you know what for for five minutes first right so i i, I always liked those versions just uh, just a little bit better because um that gave a little bit more freedom to you know uh add, add extra snap into the technique and and to add uh, uh that little bit of extra explosiveness sometimes here and there which which again i think just contributed to the to the application of the moves in the bunkai uh, as opposed to the super sanitized and, and hyper sanitized version that i see at some of these tournaments where that's all they do right they they, they just do the kata they just do the how but they never focus on the why they have no concept of, they've been taught Chattanooga, Kushanku, but they have no idea what the application of the movements is or are, right? Yeah, whatever. So, so yeah, so I, I think that, I think that, that, that's, uh, you know, an interesting, you know, it's sort of an interesting thing, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I have been in dojos that, um, that I call, I, I would classify as a, as a, as a McDojo. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously never trying to have one of my own, right. Uh, that's something that I struggle against with, you know, what, uh, I've, I've told, I, I've used the term McDojo on the dojo floor here, uh, a few times. Um, and I have told some of my students that I said, if you guys see me going down the McDojo road, you guys need to pull me aside and, and, and have a conversation with me and let me know. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, but I, I want to talk to you because when when we decided to do this 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 topic of conversation, it it, it I remember pulling up something or reading something on the interweb uh, a while ago, uh, a while ago now. So I've talked about Jesse Ancamp before. Uh, if you're not familiar, Karate by Jesse, the Karate Nerd, definitely check his stuff out. Um, absolutely, you should check his stuff out. He's got some really good stuff. I do not agree with everything that he says, but you know what? I I, I agree with him on more more than I disagree with him on. 
Uh, I've actually been using some of his videos in what I've been working on for the the karate program. Yeah, listen, he's 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 got some he's he's got some great uh, some great stuff, some great technical stuff, and uh, uh, you know from kata breakdown application bunkai. Yeah, so he's got no. He's, it, it, it's it's a it's a it's definitely if you're into karate, listen, it's definitely a good reference tool. Absolutely, mm-hmm. some of the stuff that he's got there. So so you should definitely check that out. No doubt about it. But one of the things that he did uh, that I read a long time ago was. 93 warning signs, your dojo is a Mick dojo. And I, I, you know, I printed off a list for the, for us because there are some here that I absolutely agree with. Uh, and I'm going to, I'm going to talk, I'm, I want your feedback on them, right? Sure. But there are others that I disagree with that I think he's kind of, you know what, off the mark, right? Um, you know, a little bit, right? So... I'm not going to go through all 93 because that would be like, you know, would be crazy. You know what? But, um, you know, the first one that sort of, you know, what caught my eye is um, you are awarded a black belt in one or two years. And that is a, a you know, if, if you go walk into a dojo and, and you say, so how long does it take to get a black belt? First of all, somebody walks into my dojo and say, how long does it take a black belt? I actually deflect the question. It's just like, oh, okay, you know what? Listen. It's not about getting a black belt. It's not about that. It's about getting your yellow belt, mm-hmm. right? Let's 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 set that as the goal. You know, and maybe down the road, the black belt is the ultimate goal. But we got to get to yellow belt first. So getting the yellow belt, uh, depending on how many times you're here and how quickly you pick things up, um, honestly, two to four months. You know, the average is three three and a half months, right, to get to yellow belt. And even then, it's not perfect, but it's good enough to get to yellow belt because you're always improving your basic stuff as you move up. By the time you're green belt, all of the mistakes you've made at white belt should be gone, right? Mm-hmm. Should be, right? So, yeah, but if, if somebody says to you one to two years, if you know, and I, I've encountered people, how long it take to get your black belt? A year, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, one to two years, that is an extremely short time. Can it uh, be done? Yes. I, I think it could be done. Yeah. But that would also involve hours of training a day, a day, every single day, yeah. and having a dedicated coach to fine tune you every step along the way, and a level of athleticism to start with. Like if you yeah. have someone who is a black belt in another discipline, say Taekwondo, they could probably translate over to karate with relative ease. Yeah, but to start from a white belt all the way up to black belt yeah. in that short a time would take. A ridiculous amount yeah. of could dedication. it be done? Yeah, could it be done? Yes, absolutely, it could be done. I believe not one year, but two. Absolutely. Do I think that um, you know that should be? If you walk into a club and they use that as a selling feature, oh, listen, you can be a black belt in two years. Yeah, that's no, a- no. You know that that's just you know what you know the, the the fastest person I ever tested to black belt did it in three, and the reason he did it in three years was because. He used to have his son in karate, right? A, you know, this guy uh, was a, a physical specimen, right? Like he was just like uber fit before he ever walked on my dojo floor. But his son was in, in karate and his son, I think, got to orange or green belt with me. And then his dad finally decided to join and he literally, literally walked on the dojo floor on the very first day and knew the white and yellow belt curriculum. And I mean, knew it well. Like he... He knew it 
well because he was working with the kid at home. He's one of the most physically aware individuals that I'd ever trained, I'd ever worked with. But yeah, like he knew, he knew he had the first two belts like down, like he, like that. I literally tested him from white belt to yellow belt in a week. Yeah. I, I had a great, cause he knew it. What am I, what am I going to hold him back for? Right? Yeah. Do 50 pushups. Okay. 50 pushups. Yeah. Do 25 burpees. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He yeah. could he could do it all. Yeah, there are obviously the outliers where, but they're outliers. Yeah, it should not be an, a selling point yeah. for a dojo to say that you will get it in this amount of time. No, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Uh, another another one ninety three warning signs that your dojo is a McDojo is your sensei is a grandmaster with a seventh dan or above and is thirty years or younger. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I I, I kind of like that. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I've I've actually seen it where um, there have been third degree black belts who couldn't even drive yet. Yeah, and um, I feel like there should have been a junior series of belts before yeah. getting into the adult series of belts, and then going from whatever uh, junior rank would lead into first degree adult rank. Yes. Whereas in this system, they were grandfathered into the adult rank at a third degree. And I, I just feel like uh, um, youth and kid uh, students can't learn the same things that adults do, not as well. No, and it's it's well, it's not even it's not even just that. Like the, you know, we have a we have a junior ranking system here, like a junior black belt ranking system here. Um, and the difference between the junior belts and the uh, the junior black belt and the adult black belt um, is that yeah there are certain things I, I don't I don't I don't grade the junior belts the junior black belts the same way as I grade the adult black belts because mm -hmm. there is um, an expectation that's attached to the adult black belts that I don't have with the junior black belts from a maturity standpoint. Um, you know, there, I'm not saying that there that there is that there's a lot of hand holding at the junior black belt test because you still are testing for a black belt junior or otherwise a showdown ho whether you're you know you're still testing for a junior black belt. So there are expectations, um, but they are still kids. Uh, mm -hmm. they're, they're, the way I interact with them, the way that I deal with them, um, you know, from a sparring standpoint, what we do with them is is different than you know from a developmental standpoint. There, you know, it, it's got to be different. Uh, I, I always, I always sort of kind of shook my head when I, I don't understand, I don't understand dojos that do, you know, you've got, you got people who are testing for, for black belt, you've got adults who are testing for black belt, and then you've got kids who are testing for junior black belt, and then they put them in the exact same grading mm -hmm. and they do the exact same thing. Yes. And I don't, I, I. That doesn't work for me personally. I, I, I get it from a, a time management standpoint that I get, especially if you've got a big club. That I get, but I, it doesn't work for me. I don't, I don't, I don't, I think the gradings have to be, have to be segregated um, because what I do with the adults, I wouldn't necessarily do with the kids. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I just don't, I don't, I don't buy that. You know, when, when you walk into a club and I see a seven, I, I see a seven-year-old black belt, uh, that just kind of, I don't care if the kids started when they were two. Yeah, that's... Hard to believe. I mean, when I, I think of someone with a black belt, I think of someone who can defend themselves. And I don't know if a seven-year-old 
can defend themselves that well. They like, can't. They just don't have the physical strength for it. They don't have the physical strength for it. And and you know what? It's not just that. It's it's they don't they don't have they don't have the the wherewithal or the awareness in how to deal with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I I don't care what their parents and what the black what the I, I you know any parent who would turn around and you know start bragging. Oh, my kid's a black belt and they're seven. Really. I actually like the um, the jujitsu grading system for this reason because there are actually age restrictions on each belt, uh, especially for the kids. Yeah. And like as an adult, you go from white to blue belt, but as a kid, you go from white to gray to yellow to orange to green. And then when you hit 16, you can grade for your blue belt. Yeah. Uh, and there, there are also multiple stripes, like a white stripe on the belt, a plain belt, and then a black one on there. So there are a lot of... Uh, gradients for the kids to go through before they get to an adult yeah. rank and then even then once they hit the adult rank they have to go through quite a process to get to black belt I mean, brazilian jiu-jitsu is one of the hardest black belts to get yeah and i mean i've been training for seven years and i'm arguably at the halfway point at purple belt yeah, I, I, I agree. Like, you know what, it, back, back when I started training in karate a thousand years ago, um, there were no kinder karate classes or little dragons classes or whatever you want, little tykes, whatever you want to call the class, whatever you call it. There was nothing like that. Uh, you, I think, I think the, you had to be seven or eight to start, you know, none of the starting at four or five or three or two, none of that stuff, right? You had to be seven or eight. Uh, which basically, you know, what puts you on track for a black belt test at 16 or 17 years old, right? Because they didn't do junior black belts back then, to the best of my knowledge. I, I, I never saw anybody with a junior black belt. You tested straight to black belt. Uh, but I know, I know dojos that won't test anybody to adult black belts until they're 18. Um, I, I've got a couple of young guys who are, who are testing from their junior black belts to their black belts. Uh, 17, all, you know, going to be 18 next year. One's, uh, going to be 17 this year, you know, um, and they're doing well, they're, 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 they're doing well, but, but, you know, they're even there, you're seeing, you see, you see that, that maturity standpoint that when I was testing, I was 26, 27, I don't know how old I was, 27, um, 26. Yeah. 26. So I, I, uh, you know, I, I had a, a different sort of, you know, approach to it. Many of the people that I've tested to black belt were in their 30s or 40s when they tested. They had families. They had jobs. They had other responsibilities that the kids don't have to manage. And again, that's another reason I think that you should segregate junior black belts from adult black belts because, you know, there, you know, there are, you know, they're just different stages of life, mm -hmm. right? So anyway, but we could talk about that's a whole application. That's a whole uh, thing in and of itself, right? We've already talked about this one here, though. Uh, uh, morning signs about a McDojo. Uh, you're never taught bunkai. Mm -hmm. So that one we've already talked about, and I totally, I totally agree with that one. Uh, but there's a couple here, you know. Oh, here, there's one. You're, you're, you're seven-year-old black belts. We talked about that one as well. Gradings are 15 minutes long. And honestly, I was at a club that that you could come and test. The grade your grading would be literally ten to fifteen minutes. You know what? And you didn't have to know a damn thing, and you're going to pass. You paid your money. You're going to pass. Well, I've actually witnessed um, the first time I went to a grading at this one particular club. 
it was like I showed up and I thought I was in the wrong place at the wrong time because there was music playing, there was cheering and clapping, and I walked in and I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. So when people were doing their katas, they were being cheered by the, all the spectators. And for me, that it was completely offsetting because whenever I had done katas myself, I had always been taught, like, you want a level of serenity in the club. You, it, it, you should be doing it in a meditative state. And you can't be doing that when there's music blaring and people clapping and cheering you on. Well, it's funny you should say that. Because the next point that you're training at a McDojo, right, is you're doing kata to music. Yes. Right? That was that that was my very that was my yeah. very, very next point. Or, you know what? And I'm gonna read this one. If you use weapons, they glow in the dark and weigh a maximum of three ounces. <laughs> or they're very shiny. Or they're very shiny. I hate musical kata. I hate musical weapons. I hate um flashy, uh, you know, what? I'm going to throw the bow up in the air like a baton because I'm leading a band, marching band down the street. Uh, you know what? It looks beautiful. It looks flashy. It looks, it, it's very, again, it's very Star Wars. It's very, let's go into a lightsaber fight. It, that's exactly what it is. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, I'm going to go get one of my bow staffs over there. That's a club, right? And then you're going to, you're going to hold your little toothpick of a bow staff and I'm going to cut through it like a lightsaber, Right. <laughs> And I'm going to crack you. I just, I, I, I just, that stuff. And, and I know people, I've got friends who, who do it, who are incredibly good at it. They're literally at the top of their field when it comes to doing those kinds of katas. It ain't me. I have no aspirations to do, to do anything, any kata like that. It just, you know, with that just, I can't, I can't, I can't even wrap my head around it. But anyway, I, you know, um, you know, yeah, that just, there you go. So that's, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's a McDojo. But, you know, another one, uh, kids' classes are more games and chaos than actual karate. Um, yeah. Well, I, I think kids do come to karate to blow off some steam. I agree. To some degree. And, I mean, as an exception, yeah, it's fun to play a game of dodgeball or um, karate tag or something like that where, you know, you tap the kid. And they got to go into a horse stance. They have to go into a horse stance until someone crawls on their legs, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, I I think that has a place. It does. I agree with you. But if that's what every class looks like, that's not... I I, I do stuff like that. One of the things that I do is I do the... um, uh, The the kids kind of dig it is I I start off doing the listening game, which is kind of like a sensei says type thing, you know, and then it goes into... uh, But then I go into the opposite game. So, you know, it's a working their listening skills. So whatever I ask them to do, they have to do the opposite of. But again, I don't do, I don't do stuff like that in every, in every class, right? Uh, flying sidekicks, right? The athleticism side of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's fun. The kids love it. Um, but I, 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 I treat all of those things very much like a dessert where, listen, you guys worked really hard today. Congratulations. Very well done. Um, we're going to finish with something a little bit lighter today. Uh Let's do the listening game. Let's do the opposite game. Let's do, well, we have, can't play freeze tag or anything like that because we can't run around the dojo. And that kind of fun stuff, too, keeps them interested. It like, does. It's something fun for them where they've gone through a bunch of serious stuff. I mean, they spent the whole day at school yeah. seriously learning, and then they get home, they get rushed off to karate, and then they spend I don't know, 45 minutes of serious time 
it's great to have some time to just blow off some steam. And I, I agree. I agree. And I, and I, I will do stuff like that, but I, I, I do my best, you know, I think, I think, you know, you know, somebody who wants to be a good instructor has got to make the class itself fun. Mm-hmm. has got to make learning karate fun because it can be very dry. Uh, you know, when I, when I came through the system that I originally came through a thousand years ago was very dry. Uh, and it was, a, it was a struggle sometimes it was, a, it was a struggle. Uh, so, so as, as an instructor, you know, the, the, one of the things that, that, you know, that Jesse Enkamp here talks about that I, I kind of disagree with, he says, your, your sensei sounds and acts like a motivational speaker. Yes, true. But sometimes your sensei needs to be a motivational speaker. Sometimes, you know what, the, he's, you know, that person, he or she has got to, has got to go into that that mode to keep people engaged and keep people motivated and give people something to think about. Uh, so I, I don't necessarily agree with that statement. You know what that, that, that means you're at a McDojo. Like, listen, if, if every time you walk onto the dojo floor, you got Anthony Robbins up at the front of the class, okay, maybe sure. Right. But, but from time to time, that's what you're sensing. That's what the instructor needs to be. Right. So, you know, that, like that, that, that's one of the ones that I, I, I sort of disagree with him on. Um, but here are a couple actually that I, that I strongly agree with him on. Uh, you walk into your dojo and uh, they're wearing Taekwondo uniforms. Okay. If you're, if you're wearing a Taekwondo uniform, I fully expect that you're at a Taekwondo club, a dojang. If you're, if you're wearing a Taekwondo, uh, listen, I love the Taekwondo uniforms, to be quite honest with you. I really do. I actually find them uncomfortable myself. Do you? I <laughs> yeah. see. I find them quite comfortable. But, um, but you know what? It's, 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 it's not practical for karate. And not if you're doing karate correctly, especially if you're getting involved with grabs and things like that. They're really mm-hmm. not designed for that. Um, and they don't snap the same way that and they don't snap does. the same way they don't right so so the karate uniforms you know what are for karate taekwondo is for taekwondo um you know another one that he says uh you know what you are rarely taught philosophical concepts strategy or theory i agree with that too mm-hmm. um and i think that's something that a lot of dojos just don't do yeah like one place uh, we didn't learn any japanese uh, oh I'm st- i strongly believe you should learn, know the japanese terminology didn't learn the names of the katas even yeah. or any of the history behind karate, why it was created. Like um, one of my favorite books, uh, my brother lent it to me, uh, Shokan Secrets. I think you mentioned Oh, Bruce, I talk about it all the time. Bruce Clayton. Yeah, yeah. Dr. Clayton. Um, I really enjoy that book because it, it went into why karate developed the way it did. The way it did. And yeah. when yeah. you start looking at the way certain bunkai are there, and you like, break it down; it's so much more logical. It it is like yeah. Uh, Again, it's 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 the it's the why instead of just the how. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And I think that's I think again I think that's a situation where a lot of dojos just simply don't don't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know what I think one of the things you know you're trying to get a McDojo is when was the last time your sensei read a book on karate? Hmm. Right. Yeah, What's their karate library look like? Right. Like I've got books in my office, but I've got five times as many books at home, uh, and I'm not going to lie. The Bubishi, I can't read it. It, I, you know what? I would, I would rather club myself over the head with it than read it. But I do use it from a time to time as a reference point, right? Um, you know, like Patrick McCarthy's, you know, is is probably the preeminent, you know, writer, you know what, of 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 you know martial arts writer, karate writer, uh, you know, today. But good lord, you know, it's the Bubishi. Like that's just like his translation is just like, oh, oh, it kills me. 
It kills me. There is one here that I find funny, right? Your sensei teaches crescent kicks as a disarming technique for handguns and knives. So uh, now I agree with that, but I am going to tell a very quick story. So years and years ago, I was at a, um, uh, a, a street demonstration. We were, we were doing the street demonst demonstration and, and, you know, at the Dundas Cactus Festival where everybody in Dundas, you know, goes out and worships the great cactus god. And, uh, but we were doing a, a self-defense technique. So the two, the, the, the black belt who was running it and uh, his assistant, not myself, you know, but he was a grown adult. We were, I was a teenager at the time. But they were doing a, a knife self-defense thing. And the idea was that that his blue belt assistant is going to lunge after him. We lunge at him with the knife, and the black belt leans back, does a crescent kick, and disarms him. Right. The problem was they were using a live blade. They, it wasn't a rubber knife, a wooden knife, or a sheathed knife. It was an it was an, an exposed live blade. So I'm 16. I'm 15, 16 years old. You know what? He's got us standing out there like we're going to protect the crowd. Like I'm going to jump in front of a knife to protect somebody. Right. Whatever. So anyway. So, so the blue belt comes, lunges at him, and the instructor was a big, powerful man. And he leaned back, and he threw a crescent kick, and he caught him. He caught him in this, the exact spot you would hope to catch somebody. And his arm flung, and his hand opened, and the knife went flying out of his hand. And it was twirling through the air. Anthony, to this day, I remember it in slow motion. I remember it in slow motion. There used to be a place in Dundas called the, the, the Dundas Fishing Lodge, downtown Dundas. It's gone now, but, you know, aluminum siding walls, right, on the right on the main strip, right where we were doing this demonstration, and this knife is flinging through the air, twirling through the air, and looking at it, and it's slow motion, some kind of a movie. And there's this guy leaning up against the wall, the, the fishing lodge, and it's going right towards him. It's, it's heading his way, and at the very very last second, he just turns 90 degrees and this knife stuck into the aluminum siding of the wall. Wow. Right? And everybody started clapping because I think they thought it was part of the show. Right? And the guy's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, and I remember, I remember the 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 uh, head instructor who owned the franchise, owned the clubs and stuff like that. When he got there and he heard what had happened, he, he lost his mind. <laughs> he went nuts on them. Yeah, well, but, I, I actually remember when I was uh, a blue belt and learning the crescent kick. Yeah, uh, I asked my instructor at the time, you know, would you use this one for like deflecting a knife attack or gun attack? And he looked at me and said. Yes, but don't. Just give the guy your wallet and... Exactly. Uh, and to, to his credit, I think that was the best answer he could have given me. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. That's exact. Honestly, honestly, I've, I've said the exact same thing. If somebody pulls a knife on you, a knife can be every bit as, more, every bit as deadly as a gun, right? If not more so deadly than a gun, to be quite honest with you. Um, but, but yeah, just, you know what? If somebody pulls a knife on you and they're within sort of range, if you can't run away, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't, you know what? If you're not comfortable, if you can't do that... If they want your if they want your wallet, give it to them. It can be replaced. They want your phone, give it to them. It can be replaced, mm -hmm. right? All of that stuff. You know, you can't. They can give it to them, right? That's just being you know, just be calm, right? Or toss them the wallet and then run, right? So or throw it on the you know throw it beside them behind them, you know, so they have to go and get it and then give yourself a head start, which is why you should always be fit, by the way, mm -hmm. right? So, okay. So those are some of the things that I, I agree with. Or, any, or anything, did I miss anything? Did you see anything that you, that you... There was one that is actually on my own personal uh, thoughts. And 
on the list here, speaking of cod, there are way too many of them. Yeah. And the reason I started that one is that at one of the places I trained at, we had to know a lot of katas. And I mean, I don't mind learning katas, but when there's absolutely no bunkai, yeah. uh, what's the point? Yeah. Like you're just a dance. You're just adding more and more content to fill up a curriculum yeah. without giving quality instruction, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. You know, teach the kata and then teach the bunkai for the kata. And then there you go. That replaces another kata, <laughs> you yeah. know, like, like give the full knowledge. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I had to know 16 katas just for a first degree and then another five, I think it was for second degree. I felt like that was an overload of katas, especially when you you learn the movements and you don't know how to apply any of it. Yeah. I'm just thinking, how many do I have in my curriculum? I think I think I think to get your first degree black belt with me, I think it's ten. I think that's a good number. I I've, it, I've heard I, of ten, ten over eight belts. Yeah. No, white, yellow, orange, green, blue, brown. Red, so seven belts, so seven belts. So you need to know, yes, yeah, so ten katas over seven belts, you know. But but the thing is that that because I I don't jump around, um, I don't have a blended system. Though I do teach a couple of the show, the the, the goju katas in there, right? Um, I I you know the Shotokan system all leads into itself. So as you know, you know Hain Shodan leads into Hain Nidan, Hain Sandan, Yodan, Godan. You do the Teki Shodan, Teki Nidan. Right, um, but you know, then you get into Konku Dai. Konku Dai is, is the five hands, you know, sort of you know put in a put together. So if you know the five hands, learning Konku Dai is actually quite easy, because from a bunkai standpoint, it's the same bunkai, mm -hmm. you know, for a lot of those the, a lot of those movements. So so yeah, so it, it so in that respect, it actually makes learning those katas easier when you're doing that. It's when you're when you're in a system when you're in a dojo that has. Uh, a completely blended system. And I'm not actually going to sit here and say that I think, I think a blended system dojo is a McDojo. I, th I don't necessarily, I don't believe that to be true at all. I, right? I would agree with that. Yeah. I don't think that's true at all. You know, you can have a blended system and, and, and still teach quality, quality martial arts and karate. Um, but, but yeah, but when you've got, when you've got that system that, you know, one leads into the next leads into the next, it's, it's when you start sort of, you know, necessarily jumping around, it becomes a little bit more interesting, a little bit more challenging, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, yeah, as a, a, a Brian as in Kutudachi is as a gate and Brian as in Kutudachi, there's not a lot of variation there between all the styles of karate, you know, a little bit here and there, but yeah, not a whole lot, but I, what, did you have anything else that you, that, that you thought that, that is a, is a, key indicator that you're training it that you mcdojo when you walk in other than um, going in and seeing nothing but trophies and pictures of the instructor hanging on the wall like it's a shrine yeah the the only other thing that i um i thought of was you know i mean if you were trying to find a place and you wanted to determine if it was a mcdojo or not um i think one important thing to do is to look at the instructors themselves yeah like uh, if you watch, um, master Ken on, uh, I do on, on YouTube, YouTube yeah. or the movie foot fist way, uh, <laughs> Fred Simmons, I mean, if, yeah. if the instructor is acting like that, yeah. run away, run away. <laughs> yeah. By the way, if you haven't seen that movie, go, you got to see it. 
You know, yeah, yeah it's it's it, you know there, there was a movie called Clerks that that you know what uh, the guys uh, in in the movie, um, you know, one guy worked at a video store and one guy worked at a convenience store and it's sort of them dealing with people, right? But a foot and fist way is that that's what this was called, right? Yeah. Foot fist way. Foot fist way is 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 that is that kind of movie about a dojo, right? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you got to watch it. Yeah, you got to watch it. So yeah. I found it very funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've also seen things like uh, an instructor, um, like they're on their phone, like in the corner on their phone. I don't know Instagram or whatever while class is going on. Yeah, and. I mean, I, I feel that's a little unprofessional myself. Yeah. Uh, so that's, I think, is a warning sign that the instructor may not necessarily be engaged in the dojo as much. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that I, I, I get. I, um, I have my, I, I will admit, though, that I do have my, my phone on the dojo floor with me because primarily I, I you know, I, I use it, you know, for doing anything like, like if there's any music for, you know, playing, which I will talk about in a second. I will clarify that com comment. Um, but I, I, because of my attendance system, um, I check, I'm constantly checking between classes to see if anybody has dropped out of coming to the class or if anybody has, has added in. So I, because I check before I come onto the dojo floor and then before I start the class, I always check, okay, are we waiting for anybody? Is there anybody? So I'm always, I'll pull the phone out and, uh, and sort of do that. And uh, and go from there, right? Um, but you don't do that at the expense of teaching your class. No, no, yeah. right? So no, I don't. No, gosh, no, no. So um, okay, so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about um, the um, right um, the the signs that uh, I think you are um, that I disagree with. So for Jesse, right? So. Uh, so Jesse, some of the things that, that, that I disagree with. So, so when he's talking about you know ninety three signs that you're at a McDojo, um, I think one of the ones that I, I don't like um, is um, you know he says prospective students are required to become a member or subscribe before even trying a lesson. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I, I agree with that. I think there's a business model to be had there. Um, um, that, that I, I don't, I don't require somebody to become a member. I don't require somebody to give me their credit card information or anything like that. I'm not saying that at all, but I do have a trial program mm -hmm. that I encourage people to try because you know, the trial program is a private lesson with me. Um, it's a uniform and it's two weeks of classes. And I think that's somebody giving it a fair shake, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I think, um, someone once mentioned to me the psychology behind trying new things and it's like an eight week period of doing something like twice a week that is going to sorry a, a four-week period of doing something twice a week so eight times that's going to start getting them into the mindset of actually uh making this a habit yeah developing the habit for it so, yeah so right? a trial program to inspire that connection yeah makes sense but yeah. to do a one-year contract no no that's, that's that's yeah that's crazy that's something i certainly wouldn't do um there's another one that he said and you and i talked about this before we went on before we started recording um your sensei studied marketing longer than karate <laughs> right which you laughed at and i laughed at it too but i i don't think that means you're training at a mcdojo because i know a lot of people who have got a lot of schooling who are actually amazing instructors 
right? So, so it, just because you've studied marketing for 15 years and you've been doing karate for seven years doesn't mean that you're not an amazing instructor, right? Mm -hmm. And you brought about, you, you, you made a really good point that at the end of the day, it is a business, and marketing is a as an aspect of that business. So if the instructor happens to be, you know, good at marketing, but is also a good instructor, great. Yeah. You know, if all they do is market though, yes. then I, that's a problem. I, I think that's what Jesse's trying to say here, where it's they're more focused on the marketing aspect of the business than they are about the teaching karate aspect of the business. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's right. I think that's I th you're probably right about that. But I just want to call that out. The other one here, and and uh, again, we talked about it before we, before we started recording. Uh, different colored geese. Mm -hmm. um, I have different colored geese here. You know what? I always give out a white gee to everybody. Uh, you know when they come in, but uh, I generally wear a black one on the floor because, frankly, it's the easiest thing to keep clean. You know, with the white uh, tends to, you know, hide you know, show all of my sins. Um, you know. I have my students, you know what, they have a choice if they want to get a blue gi as well. I do the blue gi here as well. I don't think that 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 if you walk onto a dojo floor and then you see like satin pink and you know what, uh, you know, olive green and camouflage and stuff like that. If, if he's talking about that, I totally agree with that. But having said that, as you pointed out, he does sell a black gi. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of, little bit of maybe hypocrisy there. But, um, but yeah, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that necessarily having multicolored geese is, is a thing. And, and if you, if you recall back to ladies in the martial arts, uh, the podcast I did with Lisa, who brought about a very, very good point, you know, it for, for ladies, please go back and reference that because I really do not want to talk about it. Um, so, <laughs> so you know, you know, I'm not talking about it. So there we go. Yeah. I, I used to be of the mentality where it was, everyone should be on a white gi if they're a student and, you know, a black gi indicates that they instructor. are a black belt or an instructor. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Lisa's podcast with you. Changed my mind. Changed my mind completely. And yeah. in, in terms of multicolored, um, I think as long as there's some level of consistency in the club. So for example, if you have, as you said, someone in pink, someone in camouflage, all sorts of different things. Um, I mean, for one, we're, we're working out, they're workout clothes. I yeah. Mean, what does yeah. it really matter? What does it matter? Yeah. But, um, it's like judging a book by its cover, to be quite honest with you. You yeah. know, it's, what's the quality? What's the quality of their martial arts? Who cares what color gi they're wearing? I could, I could be wearing a, a fluorescent pink gi. It doesn't make, doesn't mean that I, you know, my my karate's yeah. bad, right? And, and I mean, jujitsu, um, people wear black and blue, and um, I mean, the white one. I mean, I mostly have white gis for for jujitsu, but I'm getting more the dark and colored ones because terrible to keep clean. They're very difficult to keep clean. They're very difficult to clean. Yeah, especially especially with the jujitsu. Yes. You know, you roll around on a mat. You know what? Like, yeah, yeah. it's a great way to clean the mat, but it's a great way to get your gi dirty. Okay, a couple more, a couple more, and then we'll, and then we'll wrap it up. Um, so, besides teaching karate, your grandmaster, as I make air quotes with my fingers, also teaches cardio, kickboxing, or similar. You know what? Get over it. It's the new millennium. Get over that. Right, a, you know, a dojo, a dojo can have a fitness program as well. It doesn't mean that their karate program is substandard. You know what? Exactly. In fact, I think the cardio kickboxing program. I mean, I, I've participated in it. I've participated in some that you taught. I believe. I think so. And it's a way of improving your overall fitness. And yeah. That is not something that's going to detract from, from your karate. Your, absolutely, I, I think that I think that again. But I think that statement is a traditionalist statement. 
That's the problem. You know what? So traditionalists, it's just like, you know what? You could walk into a super traditional club and, and you know what? Everything that isn't us is wrong. Mm-hmm. And I just do not subscribe to that thought or that belief system in the martial arts. Uh, you know, I love learning from people like that. I love learning from everybody. But you know what? I just can't, you know, uh, and yeah, it every, doesn't work for me. Every modern martial art is a blend of something that came before it. So yeah, it, right. It's not like any of this stuff is invalid. In, no. In one situation or another. No, no, no. Uh, and and one of the last ones here for me is, um, I'm just going to read it out because, uh, you know, uh, your dojo website doesn't say anything about the actual style of karate, but instead makes a lot of references to empowerment, mindfulness, concentration, or tournament results. Okay, tournament results aside for a second. You know what? What I know is this. Most people who are interested in signing up for martial arts or for karate have no most people if they if they have no no frame of reference for karate have no understanding that there are different styles of karate, so therefore what does it matter? Absolutely right. Why, so so we teach Shotokan karate. Well, what the hell does that mean? Right? Mm. What does it matter? It doesn't. So and, so yeah, and they I wouldn't know the difference between Shotokan Gojiru or Shiroru Wado. Who they don't know. Yeah. So 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 what's the point in, in in talking about that? You know, most parents who want to enroll their kids are looking for focus and concentration, mindfulness and discipline. They're not talking about I oh well, I, my child's got to learn Shotokan karate, mm-hmm. right? I do every now and again get a phone call from somebody who has trained previously and asks me, "What style do you teach?" You know, and that's a good question because they ask me what style I teach before they ask me, well, what do you charge? Which is normally the first question I get, right? Because they don't know what else to ask. So, so that I totally disagree with. But I, I don't know. I think, I think on the whole, we've actually hit on a bunch of, you know, talking about McDojo's, um, you know, uh, and, you know, breaking it down and sort of the definition of what we consider to be a McDojo. Um, again, I, this is the topic that I've sort of stayed away from uh, for various different reasons. Because at the end of the day, listen, if you're at a club and, you know, you think that, oh, yeah, well, we do kata music and, you know, my bow staff weighs like the, the equivalent of a toothpick and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Do you like it there? Are you enjoying yourself? Do you like the people you train with? Do you like your instructor? Stay. Well, well yeah. I mean, think about like a restaurant. If you are looking for uh, like a really fancy restaurant – Maybe that's what you want. Maybe you just want to eat at McDonald's. Exactly. Like it, it, exactly. It, just because a place is a bit lax on some standards or they promote too easily or things like that, it doesn't mean you're not getting stuff out of it. Because I've also seen really good martial artists in places where you know there are lax standards. Like they set themselves <laughs> to a yeah. level of uh, personal expectation. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I was at a tournament uh, a couple of years ago, uh, I think before all of this COVID started, and I was watching this kid do kata, and, and you know what, it, it, I, I was watching, and he was good. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't that he just, it wasn't just that he did a good kata, but he did, he did a good kata, and he did it well, uh, the way I would judge well, right, like we talked mm-hmm. about earlier on in this podcast, and I happened to be saying to one of the kids that I knew there, I said, where does this kid train? you know, thinking I could poach him, right? Where does, where does this kid train? And I, again, I'm going to say something with no disrespect to these programs, right? He said, he trains at the Y. And the Y is not known for, you know, their, their, their super quality martial arts program. I'm sorry. It's just, it's just not, right? Um, but, but having said that, uh, this kid was phenomenal. Uh, and I, you know what? I, just, I wanted to find out, well, 
who's his instructor? Is the instructor here? I would love to meet the instructor and have a conversation with them and talk to them and congratulate them. Uh, they weren't there, of course, but um, but yeah, you know what? Uh, diamonds in the rough, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, but there we go, guys. Uh, so, uh, you know what? Uh, McDojo, do you train in McDojo? If you do, you like it, stay. You know what? Um, if you're not happy, and this is any club, you're not happy at my club, go find a club that you are happy at, right? And something that gives you what you need, all right? So, um, you know, I don't want to sound like a super traditionalist where, you know, arrogant, cocky, and hubris about, you know, about, you know oh, I'm better than them. Um, but you know what? I, 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 you know what? I, I love the karate. I love teaching karate. I just want to see it taught well. Right? Mm -hmm. I want to see people sort of maximize their benefit from their time in karate. But I also, you know, God forbid you ever needed to use it. I hope that it's effective. That's all. You know, and that's sort of where I talk about McDojo's. You know, and is it, would it be effective if you need it or are you given, being given a false sense of security? So, you know, but that's, I can't decide that. That's up to you. So, but anyways, uh, Anthony, I, you know what? I had a, I've had a blast uh, talking to you about this and uh, thank you so much for coming by. Oh, thank you. I've really enjoyed this as well. Outstanding. You know what? You are welcome here anytime. You're welcome in my dojo at any time, as you know. Uh, but uh, there we go. So uh, McDojo's, right? That's it, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, thank you so much. And remember to train safe, train smart, and train hard. And we will see you in the next episode. Take care. <laughs>